0: Father, as we uh, begin to look into your word, we begin to study, we pray, Father, that you might speak to us powerfully and wonderfully as only you can do. And Father, just like Israel was on a journey through the wilderness, God, we too in life are on a journey through the wilderness. We pray, Father, for your spirit right now to fall. We pray for an awareness of who you are in our midst. We pray that church won't be church It'll be a divine encounter with the living God. We pray for your spirit to speak to every heart. Even the heart that doesn't want to hear, may it open it up. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in the book of Exodus, we're taking a journey, we have taken this journey with the nation of Israel out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, they have seen God's miracles on every hand, and now all of a sudden we come to a point, a very interesting point, in the history of this nation, we'll look at the text in just a moment, but let me give you a bit of a wilderness update or a report of kind of some things you want to keep in mind as you go through the wilderness of life. First of all, you can be in the middle of a miracle and not even know it. Sometimes we look around at our life and we wonder what's happening and don't know that God is doing something in our midst. It is indeed a miracle, but it doesn't look like a miracle, it doesn't feel like a miracle. And yet God is at work all the same. Also, you can take a wrong turn and not know it. Now, I'm an expert at getting lost. Give me a GPS, I can get lost. Even my wife sitting next to me says, how do you get anywhere? And I said, it doesn't really matter where I get. I'll get there eventually. I like to see the sights as we go. Israel wandered 40 years in a wilderness trying to get to a place that was only 11 miles away. Now think about that. They could have been there in a couple of days, 40 years later. So many times our life is like that. We find ourselves wandering a little bit trying to figure out what God is up to, and it takes us so much longer than God ever intended for it to take. Also, you need to learn to laugh on the journey. I don't know if you've realized this, but life is filled with a lot of drama and all through this journey that you go on you have to look at life and say you know what this is a funny moment because sometimes so many things go wrong you say well it's got to be funny it's got to be God behind this because it doesn't make any sense unless God is involved in what's happening now let's look in the book of Exodus chapter 18 we're going to look in the life of a mother just so happened the Holy Spirit arranged this to fall on Mother's Day I love that I didn't plot out we were going to hit chapter 18 on Mother's Day, but as God would have it, he put it together. Look at chapter 18, verse 1. The Bible says, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of the land of Egypt. Now stop right here and think, well, I don't know what's going on. What's happening here? God is, is working through this man named Jethro, he's a priest of Midian. What kind of a priest? Not a priest of the true God. Some of the story's gonna to come to light in a moment. He says, but I heard what God had done for Moses, for the nation of Israel. You see, God's fame spreads throughout the land. You let God do something in your life and you're gonna tell somebody. And when you tell somebody, they're gonna tell somebody and they're gonna tell somebody because that's the way the spirit of God works. I was in Starbucks the other day, my office, my annex. I told you I had many of those all over. I now have, a, uh, have a, an office we can call home, but I don't want to give up the Starbucks office because I interact with so many people during that time. But I'm standing there. A man walks up to me I hadn't seen in a while. He's gone through a number of different physical setbacks in his life. And he said, so what's going on at Influence Church? And I began to recount some of the miracles of God, some of the healings God had done. And he looked at me like, I've totally missed out on this. Can you tell me more? And I was waiting to meet with another man over there, and I said, can we catch up later? And I only had about 10 minutes with him. But when you begin to recount the, the miracles in the hand of God, people begin to notice. They say, well, really, I want to be a part of a miracle. We prayed for two men that were out of work, and their jobs, their companies were doing poorly in the last few weeks, and both of them come up to me, I, I got a job, it's a permanent job, it's going great. Another one said, I can't believe my business has taken a step upward for the last three weeks after we prayed you say, well, that's a coincidence. Well, it's just a coincidence tied to a prayer then. And may we just have more coincidences, amen? Amen. I love to see God work like that. Well, anyway, look what it says here. Verse 2, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, whom he had sent back. Drama, let's say it together, everybody, drama, something's happening here. Moses was separated from his wife for how long? We don't know for what reason we don't know I'm gonna give you some ideas what I think but he goes back and she has to live with dad you ready for the word what is it drama I gotta move back in home I've got I've separated from my husband I've got two sons and I've got drama going on in my life I am a single parent trying to function and while Moses is out saving the world what am I going to do so it tells us here Uh, With her two sons, verse 3, of whom one son was named Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. How'd you like to have that as a name? That's what his name meant. I have been a stranger in a foreign land. I don't feel at home. That's what he was saying. And so many children don't feel at home. They don't feel the presence of the father, spiritually or physically, in their own home. I'm a stranger in a foreign land. And then the other name was Eliezer, for he said, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. It's interesting. His name doesn't say the God of my father and mother. It says the God of my father has delivered me from Pharaoh's sword. You see, in biblical times, the name meant everything. It was a reflection of your destiny. It was a reflection of your courage. It was a reflection of your nature. It was a reflection of what God was doing in your life. Jacob, for example, his name meant deceiver, and indeed he was, and it wasn't until he was touched by the hand of God that God changed his name, and he changed it from Jacob, the deceiver, to Israel, a prince with God. And until God touches your life, you will not be a prince or a princess with God. That comes from the transformational power of the Holy Spirit of God, who alone God can give. And it tells us here in verse five, and Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness where they were encamped at the mountain of God. Now when he had said to Moses, we're a little loud, coming to you and your wife and your two sons. So he went out to meet Scripture says he went out to meet his father-in-law and he bowed down, he kissed him and asked each other about their well-being and they went into the tent and Moses told the father all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptian, to the Israelites' sake and all the hardship that had come upon them, and how the Lord had delivered them. Again, recounting what God has done. It's interesting, the conversation doesn't seem to focus around his wife, around his kids. I want you to know even the greatest of people don't have it all together. You know why that's reassuring to all of us? Because nobody in this room has it all together. Nobody in this room has figured it out. Nobody in this room has everything in exactly the right place, whether it has to do with your relationship with God, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your children. All of us are on a journey. And the journey God wants to take us on is a wonderful journey. Jethro rejoiced all the good news that, uh, which the Lord had done for Israel, for he had delivered him from the hand of the Egyptians. And Jethro said, now remember, he's not the God. He's not a follower of the true God. He's a priest in Midian, and he look what he says, Blessed be the Lord. Now he transforms his context from the priest of Midian. He's now blessed be the true Lord, he says here who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of Pharaoh, who has delivered the people under the hand of the Egyptians. For now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. It's a big step when you can say the Lord is greater than all my problems. The Lord is greater than all the struggles I have. The Lord is greater than all the emotions I have. All the difficulty I have. The Lord is greater than all of those things. For in this very thing that they have behaved proudly, speaking of those foreign gods, he was above them. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering which has to do with a complete submission to God. You see, once you know the true God, you can start saying, I'm going to give everything to God. A burnt offering and other sacrifices, it says, he gave to God. And Aaron came with the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses um, before God. Now let's think about what's going on in this story. It's a love story. How many of you love Love stories. Ladies, raise your hand. I love love stories. How many guys love love stories? It's a really good week to say, raise your hand. Okay, how how many of you believe in love at first sight? Raise your hand. Why didn't you marry her? You say, well, how do you know I didn't? Because a guy falls in love every time he sees a girl. Oh, yes, I love that girl. I had a roommate in college, he was in love with like 20 women. He even told me, God told him he was supposed to marry every one of them. I said, what about the last one? No, no, God revised the plan. <laughs> love at first sight. How many of you would say, it wasn't love at first sight, love takes a little bit longer? Raise your hand. All right, a little bit longer. How many of you are still looking for love? And, but you're married. All right, let me just just take you to Exodus chapter 2, verses 16 and 20, and we have them in your notes so you can follow along. Now, the priest of Midian had seven daughters. Okay, what's the word for the day? starts with a D, ends with an A. Drama. Drama. Seven daughters. Seriously. My wife is one of four daughters. Her dad used to tell me to go to the bathroom. He had to go to work. There was never a bathroom free for him. Drama. Now, the priest at meeting had seven daughters. And so she comes home, tells her father, oh, I met this wonderful man down at the well, and look what he says in verse 20. So where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that we may eat bread. Are you kidding me? You've left an eligible bachelor down there at the well? I got seven girls I got to marry off. Go get him. This is how love stories begin. Moses came. He was, on, he was running from, the, from Pharaoh. He was coming out of Egypt. He, he finds himself here in Midian sitting by this well. He's had a bad day. Pharaoh's trying to kill him. None of his buddies have stuck up uh, to him and for him in this process. He's tired. He's lonely. He arrives in a new city. He sits down to people watch. And what does a single man in a new city watch? Girls course he does he's sitting down going. he sees seven girls he spots one love at first sight says that's the girl for me the principle of love at first sight but then you got the law of the father lots of daughters why'd you leave the man back there did you notice the father didn't ask is he employed didn't matter didn't ask is he on the run he was didn't matter, right? Because even with those, those kind of things in his life, it's less drama than one daughter. It didn't matter. He had seven daughters. He had to start marrying them off. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I, uh, When I think about what it might be to have seven daughters, I'm going through one that really is no drama at all. But I know when I get the phone call and the first words out of her mouth are, Daddy, that just means a dollar sign. (laughs) If it's, hey, how you doing, Pop, it's going to be free. (laughs) Daddy, yeah, baby, what do you want? We went out and picked out the wedding dress. It was awesome. Spent more than I should have, but it was worth every penny of. And I looked over and she was tearing up and I said, oh, this is a special moment. Why are you crying? I don't want to give up the name Hodson Peller. I said, I didn't know you were. Take that dress back. Now, what's also interesting about this story is Moses went from from dinner, bring him home, eat some bread to marriage in one verse. Look what it says in verses 20 and 21. Call him that he may eat bread then Moses was content to live with the man and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. One verse is all it took. But now, this is also a story of separation. A story of separation. In in Exodus chapter 18, verses two and three, it says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons. Single mom for years. I don't know how long. But they were the quiet years. The years where you don't hear what's going on in her life. And many of us have those quiet years that we have to navigate through and try to figure out what God is up to. It's how you handle those quiet years. Let me tell you about a not-so-quiet yesterday that I had. I decided to get my wife a new phone for Mother's Day. Isn't that a nice thing to do? Well, I had my grandson cruise with me. He's two. What's the word? Starts with a D, ends with an A. Let's all say it together. We go to the mall. I'm sent out in the mall, and I said, Hey, I want to switch this phone over. I want to buy a new phone. Oh, yeah, no problem. It'll be really quick. And I said, It's great. I got the two year old. You know those little wipes that you pull out at the mall so you can wipe everything down with or keep your hands clean? We went through an entire box of those things. I mean, he was pulling them out. He was wiping everything down. He's running everywhere. He's running around, Papa, Papa this, Papa that. Can we do this? Can we do that? And the 25-year-old guy that's working behind the, the counter there looks at me and he goes, you know, I thought this was a real job, working here in the mall. This is nothing. I've watched you for the last 30 minutes. That's a real job. And I sat there and I got home and Tammy was out of town. She was in Denver. I get home and, and I'm looking around and the house is a disaster. I've got stuff everywhere. He's, I mean, he's only been there like 12 hours. And I realized if I was a preschool mom, I would never clean. My husband get home, you want this job, I'll go to work. I also realized that if having children depended on men, there would be no children on earth. You know what I'm talking about? Huh? But let me show you something about parents. Parents are prophets to their children. They are prophets to their children. That's what it says in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. That was a blessing. You see, words are powerful, but they are also spiritual words. Proverbs 18.23 says, Words of your tongue are life, and they are death. And that which you speak over your children has a way of becoming prophecy in their life. They are also directional. They're directional signs in our life, in the life of our children, and how they're going to go in life. Think about it, Gershom, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. They named him Gershom and said, almost saying to him, you will never feel at home. Every time you hear your name, you're going to repeat that in your head. Then of Eliezer, the God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword. Apparently he learned to rely on God, but he had to do it in the absence of his father. He recognized that he had been delivered from certain death in Egypt, yet still he was carrying that legacy of words. Psalm 127, verses 4 and 5 say, the, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiverful." Children are called arrows. I wonder why. Maybe it's because they're aimed at your heart. There's nothing that can hurt your heart or bless your heart more than a child. There's nothing more that can bring a wound and a a fatal wound to you except for a child or can encourage you more. When they hit the bullseye, it's sweet and it's pleasant. Often they miss the target altogether and they fly wildly into the world and you don't know where they're going to land. But also arrows fly fast. Have you ever realized how fast time passes? And all of a sudden you wake up one day and you look and your, your son or your daughter, they're not six anymore, they're 16. Arrows are meant for the future. When you shoot them, they go out away from you. So do children. But also they, they go in the direction and the speed that we aim them. You can propel your children into a love of God or you can propel them into a, a quasi kind of whatever kind of God out there. You really have the words. But I also want you to see this is a word here and a story of restoration. You know, what? I, I looked at Zipporah's story, I realized her story is incomplete. You know why? Because the last time you read her name is Exodus chapter 18. You don't see it again. Her story is incomplete. But you know, aren't most people's stories incomplete? You look at your life and you go, I wish I could just put my hand around my story, around my life, and figure a couple of things out. You can't do that without God. She's never mentioned again in Scripture. As far as we know, she leaves no spiritual legacy whatsoever. And as far as we know, she never realized her God-given potential because she's not mentioned again. We just don't know what happened to her. Neither are boys mentioned again. I wonder why. I wonder why that is. Maybe she didn't know what she wanted in life for herself or for her children. You see, until you know what you want for your children, until you pray what you want for your children, until you have a direction for your children or for yourself, for that matter, you really don't know if you're, when you get there. Maybe she quit praying. Maybe she said, you know, this prayer isn't working. Maybe she just stopped right before the promise would come. Listen to what it says in Job twenty-two twenty-eight. 28 you will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. Everything about the words of your mouth is declaring something and it establishes something. Prayer is binding on earth something that will be bound in heaven. Matthew 18, 18, whatever you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. You see, because prayer is a contract with heaven, God says, if you will pray, I will do something. You say, I've been praying for years. Well, why did you quit? Did you really think You could have all your prayers answered like this. Did you ever think maybe God's answering the prayer by changing you in the process? And the realization of what you're praying is going to be realized in the days ahead? You see, if it doesn't take a miracle, it wouldn't be a miracle. Do you want your answers or do you want miracles? Miracles when you can't explain what's going on. That's what you want in your life. Let me give you a couple of thoughts on how to, how to leave a legacy. You might want to jot a couple of these down. Here's the first one. Learn how to thrive in the midst of chaos. I didn't say it would be easy. I just said learn how to thrive in the midst of chaos. And then expand your circle of influence. You know what happens when you influence the world around you? they influence the world around them. But then, not only take them and expand those circles of influence, but also the depth of each one of those circles. So it's not just an acquaintance. It's more than that. You know, when you go on Facebook and you request a friend, it gives you two options. Is this a good friend, somebody you know well, or an acquaintance? And if you're smart, you'll just put acquaintance. Because they might look at that and go, good friend, I don't think so. We have a lot of acquaintances in in this world, but we have very few good friends. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You have to increase the depth of your influence. Verse 11 says, now that I know, he said, here's here's what Jethro said, now I know that the Lord is greater. You see, when God becomes greater than the things that I value, God becomes God to me. Sometimes you have to say it like this. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. When I let go of what I am, then I can become what I might be in God. Also, when you realize that God is greater than the burdens that you carry in life. When you encounter someone or when you say it to yourself, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. The better answer is, I can't do anything here. God, would you show up? Would you do this for me when you're when you're greater when god becomes greater than the dreams that you cherish i wonder what zipporah must have thought while she was separated from moses i wonder if she had some god time i'll bet she did i like it when jethro says uh, i'm going to offer this burnt offering to god you know what a burnt offering was it was where you took that sacrifice and it was completely consumed and you kept nothing for yourself. There was no value that ever came back to you. And until we take our life and we lay it before God and we say, God, will you take all of me? And God, would you consume all of me? Would you raise up what you can use in me and of me? God, would you just consume it all? It's really submission to his will. And then it says he also offered other sacrifices. Freely release what you love. Freely release what you love. You really think you can hold on to it anyway? We had a little dachshund. And that dachshund would run off all the time. The minute that door was up, off it went to attack the biggest dog in the neighborhood. I loved it. Just loved it. It was just great. And I loved that little dog. And we had that dog 17 years And I'll tell you what, when she passed, I said, God, I don't know. That dog has told, I've told that dog all my secrets. (laughs) I hope dogs aren't in heaven. I'll be talking. What is it in your life you really love? Have you released it to God? Romans 12, 12 says, we are to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, continuing instant, instant, constant in prayer. Romans chapter two and verse seven says, God will grant eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. You know, if there was a Mother's Day prayer, it might be that one. God, I pray that I might just have patience continuing in my life, that I might seek to do good, bring you honor, and in turn gain that immortality that's promised to my soul. Let me give you a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. Life is filled with what is it? You will have drama before the day is over. Am I right? If you're going to Granny's house for dinner, you will have, what's the word? you know you're gonna have drama step back enjoy it laugh a little bit about it second point give God time to work don't be impatient with God see the, the course that God takes in your life is oftentimes different than you think and you have to enjoy it and allow him to work in that process